The Brewing Network is proud to present Beer Radio that turns ordinary homebrew into award-winning beer. The Jameel Show. And now, your hosts, Jameel Zainashef and John Plisse. Good evening, my Bruin brothers and sisters. Hallelujah. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. From the Cajun Johnny Plisse. <laughs> You're almost there, Jamil. You're bringing it home, buddy. And <laughs> down from the Bayou. <laughs> you betcha. <laughs> you betcha. <laughs> you can't do it. You can't do it. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. Uh, yeah, I'm here with uh, John Plisse, the... Uh, California Home Brewer of the Year. He has yes, yeah. Thanks. Right. Thank you. Thank you. Well, you know, and, and the I'm other... here with Jay Z, the <laughs> back-to-back Home Brewer of the Year. Uh, you know, I was thinking the other day. You called me. You know, and I I saw you caller ID. You know, I always answer your calls, right? And I see, oh, John. And you know, later on, I was thinking, you know, how enjoyable. I know so many Johns. <laughs> in uh in brewing and how i really enjoy you know hearing from my johns and how excited i get to to you know when my johns contact me. yeah and so, so getting a call from one of my johns do i rank really, up there yeah like, you're one five? of you're one of my favorite johns am i in the top five or oh yeah absolutely okay. absolutely you know <laughs> I got I got John Rock Candy Palmer. Yeah. I got uh, John Tull of Reno. You there know you go. I mean? John, please say. I'm sure there's a whole bunch of other Johns that I know that wow. I've that I've been you know around with that uh, with uh, that uh, are you know uh, out there and you know uh, just a lot of wonderful Johns out there. Right. <laughs> you got really, Johns all over. <laughs> I, I I've you know I I'm surprised at the number of Johns I've I've uh, known over the years. I'm flattered. I have to. I'm sorry to do this to interrupt the show. I know people don't like it when I do this, but yeah, what the hell are you interrupting the show for, man? So I go to a baseball game with John the other day. Yeah. Would you ever think that somebody named John would refer to going to the bathroom as I have to go to the John? Yeah. But every yeah, time John so, has yeah. to go to the bathroom, he goes, "I got to go to the John." And every time he said it, I was thinking, "That's really weird." From a guy named John. Well, it's named after a guy named John, though, mm-hmm. right? Thomas Thomas John Crapper. Some people are proud of it, I guess. Well, what's the guy's name? You know what's weird? Know? It's I usually only say it at a baseball game. It's really odd yeah. that you would refer to it as, as yourself. A I don't, that's true. I have to so, go do it, Justin. But it was... Yeah. Well, the, the, <laughs> yeah, there you go. That I would have expected. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, so, you know, I, and, yeah, I've been insanely busy working on this book, and I got the BYO article. I got, yeah, I got yeah, uh, too, too much junk I'm doing that's, you know... Uh, plus, you work. love it. Stop your whining. Uh, no, you, know, but, you know, if if on. it wasn't for a bunch of really wonderful people out there willing to help, and uh, you know, uh, you know, a lot of the Johns I know have been, uh, you know, helping, uh, you know, for for quite a you know a couple of years now, uh, reading through articles that I wrote and stuff. You know, the articles that I write, I think, are actually pretty good. And one of the reasons they're pretty good is. My friends are willing to read my the crap that I write and help me fix it up into something decent. And um, you know, recently, uh, you know, with this book, I've been sending around uh, 
uh, you know, chapters to people and they've been helping and, uh, you know, uh, Gordon's been helping and, uh, uh, Mark's been helping and, you know, Danny and, you know, a bunch of, bunch of people are all willing to, to pitch in on some of this. Bob, it's really, really nice to, you know, uh, when I'm so exhausted, you have resources, <laughs> so, so tired, right? <laughs> that I can't keep going. It's nice to have a lot of people say, Hey, you know, if you need some help, yeah. you know, just let us know and we'll, we'll help you out. So that's really been priceless to me, and I, I don't. We know definitely how to, do a lot. Appreciate it for the homebrewing community. Well, you know, that homebrewing community does a lot for me. So, hmm. um, you know, I it's it's a two way street, and it's really really wonderful. And these these folks, you know, they got their own jobs, they got their own stuff that's keeping them really busy, but they're willing to, uh, you know, put some effort out there to to help me get through uh, all the excessive things I've committed myself to. <laughs> <laughs> Sucks to be you. <laughs> Okay. Uh, uh, and one of the things that, you know, I was thinking after I was thinking about all my jobs, I was thinking about uh, how, you know, we handle uh, products that we like and dislike. You know, I talk about some things here that I really, really like that I think are just fantastic products. Right. And, you know, it's all just, it, it's, it's not like sure. a product placement or anything. Yeah, We're yeah. just talking about whatever style. And we'll come across something I think is fantastic. Yeah. And I'll mention it. And, you know, if there if there's something that I think is really absolutely fantastic, and I'm pretty sure other people would would get something out of it, I'll mention it. For sure. If there's something that I think is garbage, and I'm certain it's garbage, don't mention. I'll, it. I'll go ahead and mention it. Okay. I will. But the thing is, the reason I don't tend to mention a lot of things that are garbage is because somebody out there is having like great success with it, and yeah. just because it doesn't work for me doesn't mean. It's That's no true. good because obviously I'm doing something wrong. It's like racking canes. Yeah. I don't use racking canes, yeah. but I'll tell you, everybody else seems to use them, has great success with them. Me, I'm a spaz, cannot use a racking cane to save my life. So you don't I, use a racking cane? I use a piece of tubing. No racking cane, right? What? Because <laughs> I can't use a racking cane. I'm a, I'm a spaz. I can't use the racking cane. What's wrong with the racking cane? Uh, that, it doesn't work for me. Is it hard to clean? That's probably the issue. I bet hard you. To, hard to, and then the connection between the tubing and the cane, I, I, you Iteration. know, I end up with like a bubble, and it's, yeah. it's just it, it, it doesn't work for me. I can't get it started. It's hard to get a siphon started. If I use a piece of tubing, I, siphon starts no problem. It's because you're not using the sterile siphon starter. Oh yeah, the maybe, carboy hood yeah. and the HEPA filter. Jeez, oh, you know, <laughs> piece of tubing seems to work. You know, my, <laughs> do you start my, with your mouth? No, I use a turkey baster. <laughs> turkey baster. And we talked about this before. The stock in turkey basters went up. I, I often, but, you know, and I've the said, stock. if other people are using it and it's working for them, don't change your method. You know, keep going. There's no reason to change to my method. But, you know, that's the reason I'm not like poo-pooing racking canes. It doesn't right. work for me, but clearly works for a lot of people out there. So I wouldn't, you know, so I'm not, that's why I'm not down on any real products. Uh, if there's something I think is garbage for everybody, I'll be sure to, to and somebody's going to say, oh, no, it works great for me. I love it. So, you know, I don't want to rain on somebody's parade where they got something that works great for them. Yeah. There's so. some products that I don't even stock in the showroom because I'm like, don't waste your money on it. You know, right, don't right. even sell it to people. Yeah. You know? Well, if you're sure it's bad, yeah, I can see that. But, you know, for every product that's out there, you know, somebody really loves it. You know? Yeah. yeah. I guess yeah. There, there's, there's some there's a out few there. Out there, but you're, you're more experienced in that than I am. I guess, but but the stuff I come across, you know, I I, I really haven't come across a lot of really bad products. Hmm. You're really and, simplifying your process, aren't you? Oh, long ago. You're going back to your roots, aren't you? Carboys you and tubing. Call, call me the Spitting Kuta the Kinte beer. of brewing. <laughs> Kuta Kinte. <laughs> 
What the hell? Roots. Roots. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Wow. What? I, I, apparently, yeah. my my attempts at references to culture... <laughs> Uh, flies right past me. Right, you're, yeah. you're, you're, it's missing you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just watching Justin over here. He's just having oh, the time of his life. Great, yeah. Man, that was great. Uh, I gotta give you stuff to isolate for a future, uh, oh my future clips here. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> man, I can't believe you just said you're the Kenta Kunta brewing. Kunta Kinte, please. Oh, wow. My He's bad. a very respected Mandinga warrior. Agreed. So, you know, the poor guy got his foot chopped off, too. It's true. <laughs> you know, that, that's that something sucks. to live up to. I'm you know? not disagreeing with any of this. I just, <laughs> I just never thought I would have heard it in brewing. Yeah. Right. Well, we were talking about, you know, oh, geez, you guys. Yeah, we still have like 50 minutes yeah, to go here. You're like heathens here. Yeah. I know. How are we going to fill the rest of this time? Yeah. Oh, we're going to talk about Bohemian Pilsner. Maybe that'll fill some time. There we time. go. All right. So this is, a, this is a great style. This is like, you know, the whole it's the best Czech beer. Pilsner that yeah. everybody wants to brew when they're starting out brewing. They all want to duplicate this beer, right? Yeah. Good luck. Yeah. Well, uh, it's hard to do. Well, tell us about the style. Well, it's so unique. Um, let's see. It's very rich in malt flavor. Uh, it's got a very sm- spicy kind of sauce, bouquet coming through. Um, and it's got a unique bitterness kind of finish right on the tip of your tongue when you're drinking it. Um, but the malt, when you drink this beer, um, it's got a little bit of a toasty, biscuity edge to it, kind of... I don't know where they get this flavor from, but it's like, I don't know, it's just like bready, toasty, maltiness, goodness. Um, it's pale, strong color, um, very, very highly carbonated, um, lots of head retention on it, very refreshing, about 5% alcohol, maybe a little bigger. Um, it's so unique. If you can try this beer, go to Trader Joe's. Try Chekvar or uh, Pilsner or Kell. Um, either one of those two are the best. And if you can ever find Pilsner or Kell on draft, it's far superior than any bottled beer Pilsner or Kell you probably buy in the States here. Um, but it's just such a great beer. I have a question for you later on about how they get this malt flavor that I'm trying to describe mm-hmm. right now because I can't describe it. And I've been trying to brew this Pilsner for many years. And I I don't know if it's a use of crystal malts, et cetera, but we'll talk about that later. Well, that's interesting. I think, you know, one of the things that uh, I was just going to say, a lot of times you need to be careful of, you know, like you're saying, if you can get it on draft, you can get a good good uh, version uh, commercially, uh, you know, it can be wonderful. But, uh, and, you know, Trader Joe's has, uh, you know, pretty good uh, turnover in their beers. But sometimes you'll get, especially in the Pilsner Equal or the PU, you'll get uh, you'll get a uh, oxidized sample. Mm-hmm. I don't think they have very good oxygen control on those beers. Uh, maybe that's uh, just me, or maybe that's uh, from years ago. But you tend to get this caramel type of sweetness once the beer starts to oxidize. You get this oxidized kind of caramely kind of note to it, or papery, sherry type of note. Yeah. And there's no real caramel malt in these beers. Wow. And uh, you know that's all a lot of times coming from age on the beers. So by the time I'm tasting that in a keg on draft. Mm-hmm. That's some oxidation that has uh, happened. Maybe can be, in that yeah, case. yeah. Huh. Or age. It depends on. What's, but usually, you know, the ones on draft don't have quite as much. Hmm. Um, uh, but uh, you know, that can that can be a you know a big 
you know, a big issue on some of the samples that you might get. But, I mean, how do you describe that rich, bold malt flavor this beer has? Mm-hmm. And yet it's so balanced with a lot of sauce hop character coming right. through. I mean, well, it, and that's, that's the real trick to brewing this beer. Yeah. You know, generally I steer away from uh, water adjustments of any kind. I think, you know, most, especially in the U.S., you know, pretty much the water that you have will, will work for brewing. You just need to get rid of the chlorine and go with it. Um, on this beer, you're, you're, can't use a real hard water. The hopping becomes harsher and the malt is a little different. You want kind of the soft malt that's really kind of full mm-hmm. and you want, uh, you know, a, a great presence of the saws hops and the saws bitterness, but you don't want it harsh and biting. But, uh, you know, it's still very full and soft. And part of that is uh, the use of soft water. Now, you don't want to use pure deionized water or uh, pure, uh, you know, RO water. But generally for most, you know, 80% of the people in the U.S., if you go with, uh, you know, 25 to 50% of your tap water, and then the rest, uh, deionized or reverse osmosis water. And it's going to get you about the right softness for this beer. You need, uh, it, that's pretty important for the style. Wouldn't you say a softer kind yeah, of malt yeah. palette to it? Oh yeah, it's yeah. critical. Yeah. Absolutely. You're absolutely right. Um, and I think if you're going extract brewing, you can go ahead and just go with, you know, plain old, uh, deionized or reverse osmosis water for the whole thing because your, your malt's already been converted and. Right. There's enough uh, minerals and stuff in the malt to extract in order to take care of the yeast's needs. But if you're an all-grain brewer, you really don't want to go all deionized reverse osmosis. You'll have trouble with your mash pH. Uh, the yeast won't really quite get enough of uh, all the vital uh, uh, nutrients and nutrients stuff that they need. You know, just to flocculate, yeast need um, uh, uh, calcium in order to flocculate. If there is none, they will not flocculate. <laughs> And, uh, you know, that really messes them up. So, uh, uh, let's see here. Uh, once, uh, we take back. a little short break. A little ingredients. I'm tired. You yeah, know? it's okay, buddy. Once we, I'm here let's for take a short break. We'll get into the ingredients. I, I actually have a story about George fixing this beer. Oh, good. All right. We'll be back after a short break. The Jameel Show. All right, we're back. Go, go, Jay-Z, go, Jay-Z, go. We're having a heck of a time down in the studio. See, (laughs) Monday mornings were never quite this this bizarre and and wacky, really. No. We're going to get back to that, though. But I think we're, we're covering the information. Which is what they want. To do. Exactly. Yes. Very important. Doing it in a mildly entertaining, less NPR type of uh, manner. Yes. All right. So talk about my sweaty <laughs> balls. Uh, <coughs> George Sweaty here. Uh, all right. Uh, speaking to George, um, when I was starting out learning how to brew and, and picking up all these techniques and trying to read everything I could. One of the, the great pieces of information came, or lots of great information came from uh, George Fix. And he was, you know, 
he he kept you know experimenting and writing up his results and talking to other brewers and trying to you know share that information you know forward and and, and let everybody you know know the things that he kind of figured out and you know that was so important to me and when i met george he was just the most wonderful guy, you know, and you'd run up to him with, you know, oh, like George, George, George yeah. you know, yeah. oh, tell me about your time here. And, you know, he was always so wonderful, so warm, so welcoming, you know, great big smile, and just, you know, just a great, you know, big wonderful, bear you big hug. bear of a man. Yeah, you know, yeah. Just, you know, he was just, just fantastic. And, and that, you know, that kind of, uh, you know, uh, Attitude and emotion. I hope I learned a little bit of that from him, and I, I try, you know, when I'm not being a, a, a jerk, to <laughs> hopefully emulate some of those wonderful characteristics that he had. And the the thing that you know instilled that in me is I had entered this competition with one of the very first um, uh, Bohemian Pilsners that I had ever brewed, mm-hmm. and I had I had gotten this recipe. Uh, no, I made this recipe, but I had gotten some of the fermentation tips and how to handle lagers from reading George Fix's books. And Wh- I was which one was it? You know? uh, analysis of brewing techniques, oh, or you know, principles of uh, those will blow your hair back. I mean, and uh, um, um, you know, his uh, Oktoberfest uh, Vienna Meritzen, uh great book. book. So just reading that and uh, and reading some of his online stuff, I really picked up a lot of techniques to make uh, good loggers. So I come up with this recipe and I entered it. And sure enough, you know, I was very glad to get uh, a first place with it. Mm-hmm. But the second place winner was George Fix. Whoa. And I'm thinking, you know, not that, hey, you know, I beat George Fix, but, you know, my brewing god, I'm in the same league as him. Yeah, yeah. Now, I, I, I tell you, you know, it it probably wasn't a better beer than George's beer. But on that given day and that given flight order, you know, um, it just worked out that way. But uh, it, it is in no way an indication that, you know, the beer was better than, right. than something George was brewing. You know, but I, you know, of course, I, I rushed right up to to tell him about, hey, George, I, I beat you in this competition. <laughs> you know? Smack. But, but no, he he fully understood why I was excited. Yeah. I was so excited to tell him. It's like, George... I read, you know, my my yeah. next words out of my mouth were, George, and, and he, he goes, oh, you're the guy that beat me. <laughs> He's like, oh, I'm so glad to meet yeah. you. I'm like, I said, George, you know, the, the, the reason I'm so excited was, you know, I've been reading your stuff, looking at everything that you've been saying and trying to understand what you're saying and trying to apply the, the, the best techniques that you've described to my brewing. And I said, this is the result of that. That's, you know, I, I've, huge. I've learned from you and, you know, I'm doing well, you know, with my beers are turning out much better. Wow. And it was all thanks to you. And, you know, it was just, you know, I, I think it was like those, you know, a very, uh, a very moving moment for me, for him. And he was just thrilled wow. that I had learned something from what he was trying to do. And all he was trying to do was make good beer for himself. Right. And then, you know, share, share that information him, forward. That's all he was trying to do. And I think, you know, if, if everyone could, you know, take that attitude, I think, wow, you know, what, uh, you know, what uh, a great thing that would be, mm-hmm. how that would really further everyone along. And I think that's kind of what we're trying to do here with this show. We don't get paid for it. We, it's all volunteers. It's free. It's, it's a lot of work. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, we love it because people say, you know, we get emails all the time from people saying, you know what? 
I won my first award. I listened to your show yeah. a couple of times, yeah. got the recipe, got what you're saying, put it down, and sh- you know I've never won anything before. I've always done really bad. You know, it's 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 all them, of course. It's not us, but you know, you get the they're, bear, yeah. they're you know we're just putting some information forward. Information we got from George. Information we got from Ray. Information we got from you know whoever, and we're just you know. Uh, you know, collecting that and passing that forward, and it's helping people, and that's really kind of kind of exciting. Cheers to George. <laughs> uh, you, you've always talked very, very, very highly of him. Yes, ever since I've known you. Yes, you know. So, um, this is you know, so this is a very special recipe to me. Okay, as far as that, it's a very simple recipe as well. Less is more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Please share. Um, um, so, uh, targeting for a six gallon batch, uh, six US gallons or, uh, 23, uh, liters, uh, you're going with, uh, 1056, uh, starting gravity. It is going to, uh, finish out around 1016 or about 70%, uh, attenuation. Uh, you're going with, uh, about 40 IBUs on the Rager formula. Wow. And this is gonna be a 5.3% alcohol by volume beer. It's a lot of IBUs. Yeah, and and the reason you get away with this is again the soft water. So you soften that water up. The IBUs are the the bitterness is not nearly as firm and harsh and in your face. Hmm. This is why you know on IPAs you when you know people talk about you know Burton waters and all that, and it makes it much sharper uh, bitterness. Right. And going with the softer water changes that. It goes the other way. So that's why you go with, uh, you know, maybe 25 to 50% of your own tap water and the rest, uh, deionized or RO water. Hmm. Those big kiosks in front of the stores, generally those are RO water. Uh, and you get, uh, you know, like 25 cents a gallon. So oh, it's pretty, cheap. pretty cheap, yeah. you know. They fill up a carboy, and that's what I used to do, bring there it back. Uh, if you're an extract brewer, you're gonna go with a, you need a Pilsner, uh, liquid malt extract. And, uh, you're gonna go with nine pounds of that. And your your steeping grains are going to be a uh, Carapils dextrin malt, one pound, uh, 0.45 kilograms. And the base malt, again, uh, liquid extract is nine pounds or 4.08 kilograms. If you're an all-grain brewer, you're going to go with uh, uh, replacing that Pilsner extract with a Continental Pilsner malt. And uh, it needs to be like a... a, a a European Pilsner malt, hmm. not uh, an American domestic. I mean, those are okay, but and definitely not two row or you know anything. Completely different. You, you want to go with uh, you know a uh, continental Pilsner malt, and you can reduce the care pills down to uh, um, three quarters of a pound or three hundred forty grams. So did I say twelve pounds of uh, continental Pilsner? Five point four four kilograms. I'm yeah. really tired. It's all right. Uh, managed at 154 degrees Fahrenheit and 67 degrees C. Hmm. And you are going to, uh, need a 90 minute boil, you know, especially on the all grain to reduce the DMS, mm-hmm. uh, because it's, you know, all that pills are malt. You, you gotta go 90 minutes. As far as hops go, Four editions of saws. Mm-hmm. Uh, if it's a three and a half percent alpha acid hop, um, at 60 minutes, you're going to do a 1.65 ounce or 47 gram, uh, addition. I'll give you 23 IBUs using the Rager formula. Uh, you're going to, at 30 minutes, add another two ounces or 57 grams. At 10 minutes, add another ounce or 28 grams. Wow. And at zero minutes, add an ounce or 28 grams. Your total IBUs are going to be about 40. Wow. 
Like that's a lot of hops. Oh, that's hoppy. That's hoppy. Yeah, I like it that way. Yeah, you know, and uh, you know, as far as the bittering goes, it's really you know a fairly soft bittering, mm-hmm. and uh, you know the hop character kind of marries well with the uh, rest of the malt and uh, that sweet uh, pilsner graininess. So why don't you add any like Carahel or Crystal Fifteen, maybe a half pound or anything, because the beer Pilsner Kell has this very rich golden hue to it, mm-hmm. you know, and it's got a interesting, you know, that malt flavor, that toasty kind of biscuit malt flavor. I mean, mm-hmm. you're, I don't know how you can get that flavor with just German pills at one fifty four. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm just. It's just a flavor. I I, mm-hmm. I make Hellas all the time with just German pills, mm-hmm. you know, and maybe some carafoam in it. But right. I I don't get that maltiness. I mean, are they still doing decoction brewing over there into the Czech? Or I don't know if they they still are. But that was you know where they got a lot of those flavors. From. Okay, because it exists in their beers. Mm-hmm. When you try it, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Unless it's just old beer that I'm tasting, and it's just oh, boy, you know, if the if the flavor's bold, generally, you know, it's it's it, that's because it's getting old, because they don't put you know a bunch of crystal malt in there. Hmm. You know, it's it's really uh, you know it's a fairly uh, light beer as far as that goes. Uh, as far as yeast, um, you're going to go with uh, either the uh, WLP uh, Pilsner Lager, 800 Pilsner Lager, or the Y Yeast 2001 uh, Urquell or I guess you could use like a you know dry fermented soft lager S23, but you know really the 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 liquid yeasts are the way to go on these. Well, the flavor characteristics, yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's I mean, um, you can't you can't um, <laughs> dry yeast won't get you the flavor that a Czech Budovic or a right Southern German lager will give you or exactly that. exactly yeah. I'll give you some flavor. <laughs> okay, you'll give me some flavor after the break. We'll, we'll come back. We'll, we'll go. We'll go into uh, fermenting and uh, answer questions and things like that. I appreciate your input. Now, back to the Jameel Show. All right, we're back. I'm here with John Danson, please say. Yeah. Wait, hold on. All right. <laughs> shake it, John. Shake it. <laughs> John hasn't gotten shake the radio that, thing down yet. Where shake, like shake that money maker. Only Jamil can see it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. <laughs> it only matters that yeah, I see can it, see it. Use your imagination. It's like that gentle caress underneath <laughs> the uh, console bench. <laughs> it only matters to me. That's not a headphone. <laughs> <laughs> All right, crap. <laughs> we're totally messed up here. All right, fermentation and conditioning on this bad boy. Um, uh, so you're going to need, it's a lager, so you're going to use like four liquid yeast bags or make yourself like a three-gallon starter. 
Wow. That's Using one package of liquid cheese. It's huge. Or build it up, you know, over time, stir mm-hmm. plate and all that, yada, yada, yada. Uh, you're going to ferment this thing. I like to pitch cold, as we talked in loggers. I use the uh, modified Narcissus uh, fermentation going from uh, about 44 degrees Fahrenheit up to, uh, you know, 50 degrees Fahrenheit, 10 degrees C. And over time, and doing that, uh, minimizing diacetyl uh, production, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, go back to the archives if you yeah, want to make a full rundown on that. I think we talked about like at least 40 times. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, carbonate that thing to, uh, you know, two, two and a half volumes. Drink it. Drink it. It's really good. <laughs> Keep drinking. It's good. Um, what else do we need to cover? I think we're done. Uh, we could be done. All right, time to go home. Um, do we have questions? Uh, no, I didn't have any questions come through either. What about a diacetyl rest? I mean... You're pitching a lot of yeast, and you're pitching cold, 44 degrees, and uh-huh. you're fermenting, what, 40, 52 for three, four weeks, maybe? I'm uh, you know, uh, with the right amount of yeast and good yeast health, uh, you know, this will be done fermenting generally. The bulk of fermentation will be done in a week. Wow. But, you know, I like to leave it a couple of weeks. I like to leave it at least two weeks and let that, you know, uh, let it clean up after itself. And I keep it at fermentation temperature 50 degrees Fahrenheit, 10 degrees C. Uh, and just let it sit there until it's completely done. If you see any pressure in the airlock at all, yeah, don't just leave it. it. You right. know, just, just, just wait. And then let the yeast flocculate. Let it, you know, drop clear. Right. And then at that point, when it's nice and clear and bright and everything's done, then you go ahead and, you know, put it in a keg or go ahead and bottle it. Uh, if you start out with a cold, the colder you start out in fermentation, the less diacetyl is produced. Hmm. Okay, the the whole pathway to diacetyl, um, the colder it is, the less di- initial precursor for diacetyl is, is created, and uh, it's all the bulk is created all at the beginning of fermentation when they're growing. Yes. Okay. When they're and all. Uh, right, and uh, what they call um, uh, anyways. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, uh, and, and, and the advantage is, so you start out cold during that, the initial phase, and then you let it ramp up in temperature over time. And the, by ramping up in temperature, the yeast become more active. They tend to, uh, reabsorb the diacetyl and use it for, uh, producing, uh, glycogen or whatever. So it's and, a food source then. Yeah. <laughs> and they'll, they'll reutilize it, they'll reabsorb it, they kick it out and then they, uh, or it, I think it all, st- yeah, they kick it out and they reabsorb it or, or it stays in the cell, and they just end up releasing it at the end when they find they don't need it. They just shit it out. I mean. Yeah, so um, the, the point being... Yeah. Uh, <laughs> like groggy here. Yeah. The point being... Sorry. Um, you know, start out cold, minimize the precursors, let the temperature rise up towards the end, and you don't have to do a diacetyl rest. Hmm. This is uh, a common uh, uh, fermentation uh Pattern and very European, yeah, yeah. So uh, that's how I like to do these. Uh, works out quite well. Now, what about eliminating sulfur production? Or that's a common issue with lager yeasts. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of sulfur production, and right. um, does pitching cold help eliminate that? Because they it, does it scrub it out later? I mean, well, I called you about that yeah, last yeah. week, and, right? And I had that issue got with my Mertzen. Got a call from my John. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I think that's a, that's a good point. So, 
all the lager yeast are going to produce some sulfur, some more than others, but they all produce sulfur. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, some bit of sulfur is good in in a lager, uh, I think, because it gives it you know it makes it seem like a lager. Okay, you know, um, so it's one aroma. of those flavor you know, aroma compounds right. that you know people consider very lager like. Um, the thing is. If you start out cold, you can get very low activity. You need to raise the temperature and the activity level uh, as you go on through fermentation. And that higher activity is going to help drive off some of those sulfur compounds. Do you do that yourself? or? Yeah, usually I control the temperature of ferment very closely. Hmm. So, especially on lagers, I have a, a refrigerator, glass or fridge, that these go into. But they also get a uh, firm wrap around them. So, so you in a two-stage controller. Okay. So uh, one controls the refrigerator and one controls the firm wrap. Right. And I just keep it in a very tight range. Right. And as um, generally when I start out, um, I'm just trying to make sure it's uh, not too cold to start with. So I put my set points so it, I make sure it doesn't drop too too low. Mm-hmm. And I slowly start inching up. And uh, once it starts going, my set points are set so it really doesn't get too high, and I want to control the the highest point. And then, as activity slows down again, you want to I reverse it again. Oh, wow. So I'm 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 trying to keep the temperature, you know, right on the money, exactly where I want it, huh. and you know, uh, you know, to the degree I want that temperature, you know, exactly where where I need it at that day and that time. Now, now, what's your lag time? From, I mean, you're pitching 44, 45 degrees. Mm-hmm. When is, like, how many days is until you see active fermentation peak croissant or start? Well, you know, it depends on what you consider, um, you know, fermentation activity. But generally, um, you know, the yeast are reproducing a lot of CO2s building up in that cold liquid. Right. And uh, I'll usually see some sort of activity within, you know, 12 to 24 hours. Um, yeah, it depends cold. on the beer. And you're already started to heat it up at that point? Uh, or no, generally I'll let it go those first 12 or so hours at that, you know, 40 some odd degree range. So over the first, uh, uh, 12 hours. And then, uh, maybe I'll go up a couple of degrees. Hmm. Usually by, you know, 48 hours, I'm pretty close to 50 degrees. Okay. Now are you letting the yeast generate the heat? Uh, pretty much. If if they're not, then I'll you know I'll bump the temp up a little bit, hmm. and you know kind of goose them along, you know. But because uh, yeah, and it depends on you know the conditions in you know the ambient uh, air right. during the winter. Uh, I need to you know give them a little assist. Right. Uh, otherwise, it stays too cold and it takes too long, and you know hmm. I want to get some good activity uh, uh, as far as you know driving off sulfur things like that. Now, can you over two? Over oxygenate, I should say, a beer. I mean, if you're pitching a lot of yeast mm-hmm. and you're pitching cold and you oxygenate it, mm-hmm. now if you keep oxygenating, let's say like you wait 12 hours and you just don't know that you don't see any activity going on, mm-hmm. and you decide, well, it needs more oxygen. Does that work against you at all because the yeast are trying to eat the oxygen rather than? Yeah. Well, I think it adds grow. other flavors that you really don't want. I think it's a, always a mistake. To add more oxygen later on, hmm. I know people do it, but you're going to end up with more uh, uh, higher alcohols if you uh, add too much oxygen as well. Uh, not enough oxygen, you end up with problems. Too much oxygen, you end up with problems. Especially, 
Um, you know, if you get excessive growth, mm-hmm. uh, you can end up with excessive uh, higher alcohols and things like that and off flavors. Mm-hmm. So I liked, you know, the one addition at the very beginning. I oxygenate my starters. You know, my starters, I build up plenty of healthy yeast. Now, um, some people were talking about um, pitching you know, enough yeast so you don't need any growth and you don't need any oxygen in a, in a beer. And I've done that in lagers before. Mm-hmm. And it turns out okay, but it's it's not quite right. You end up with something that is um, uh, a little too clean, I think. You need some growth in the beer hmm. uh, to get the right kind of character, I think. Well, it's such a light beer. I mean, so much of the yeast is the flavor. Oh yeah, you know, yeah. I mean, I mean, most of this is, you know, most of those multi flavors, I think, are really yeast based, right? You know, um, like we were talking earlier in the uh, Southern English Brown show, mm-hmm. uh, you're saying, oh, the yeast, you know, makes a big difference in, you know, the malt flavors that end up in it, right? And right. I'm like, well, yeah, and it's the same thing in this beer. That's why it's important to try and get your hands on the right kind of yeast mm. uh, to make this sort of thing happen. Question here on uh, the use of base malts for the style what, comparing like Weirman Pilsner versus a Durst Pils why would you choose one over the other or like a Turbo Pils mm, mm-hmm. you know I mean they produce more or less DMS right I, I believe I don't know I don't oh know. I'm sure that's true yeah they I, have different levels of SMM I mean how do you choose the right Pilsner I mean what do you think that they use well to check? I think um well, I, I doubt they're using Durst or, or Weirman, but, uh. It's German, right? Yeah, and, um, they, I think, you know, those are both excellent products. Mm-hmm. And I've used all of them. The Durst Turbo or the regular Durst or the Weirman. And, um, I think you can make excellent, uh, you know, lagers, you know, German lagers and Czech lagers using those malts. It really depends on your preference. Now, I, I would look at it this way. If, um, if I can get one, you know, fresher than the other, I might do that. If I if if my local homebrew shop carries, you know, Durst, I would use Durst. If they carry Weirman, I would use Weirman. Okay. Um, I would use what my local homebrew shop carries. You know, cuz those, you know, they're not carrying like, you know, um, you know, Ted's you know, Ted's homemade, homemade backyard backyard pilsner. pilsner. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> You've seen the product. I, uh, you know, they're they're carrying uh, you know a high quality, you know, high end, you know, good product that will make a great beer. Mm. And I would go ahead and just use any of those. I think you can be fine. I think you can change your process and adjust. I think it's more important. I think it's more important to do two very key things. One is. You know, support your local homebrew shop. Because if you don't, they're going to go out of business. And they're not going to be there. And then when you want other brewers to be brewing beer or you need that emergency packaged yeast, you're going to be in real trouble. Right. So you want to support your local homebrew shop all you can. Saving a few pennies on a sack of malt is not a good way to support your local homebrew <laughs> <Yeah>. shop. <laughs> you know, getting it from a brewery. I don't know, yeah. I don't know why yeast. these breweries are, are, you know, they'll... Buy bulk grain for homebrewers. I think that's. I, I just. I. I don't think that's a good thing. I. I appreciate they're trying to help out, but I think you need the homebrew shops. I think you know they do a lot to get this to keep the hobby going, well, especially for emergency yeast. Yeah. You know. I don't know. Maybe I'm too passionate on this. Uh, the the second thing is, 
you need to have a consistency of ingredients. So you're using the same ingredients. So if, I, I wouldn't switch between like Vireman for one beer and Durst for another and Durst Turbo for a third. I would use one type of Pilsner malt day in, day out, all the time and get used to how it acts and the flavors it creates and what you need to do in your process to make the most of it. Hmm. I think, uh, you know, people worry too much about, you know, finding a particular brand or something, but really, you know, a lot of the breweries out there, they use what they can get that's at a reasonable price and it's consistent. And the key is it's consistent so they can change things to, you know, they know what the malt's going to be like. Mm-hmm. So that's most important. So definitely German pills is... Oh, required yeah. for the style. Yeah, yeah. Or check pills, malt, right, or okay. you know, any of those. Now, if you um, don't have access to German pills, can I use a T-Row? Um, yeah, you could, you, you could use anything. Yeah. Okay. But, uh, you know, the flavor's not going to be the right. same. Uh, I would really, uh, you know, target, um, you know, a good uh, uh, continental Pilsner malt. You know, people go with, uh, have gone with um, an under-modified malt. You know, talking about Durst Turbo, that's a... A highly modified malt that uh, will convert very quickly. You right. throw that in, you know, mash two, two minutes later, yeah, it's done. When it hits the water, it sees the water. You turn the start the faucet, it goes ah, and it's converted. It's kind of like Justin, you know, yeah, in and out. You know, when he when he goes to the <laughs> local prostitute, you know, yeah, goes in ah, and he's done. So yeah, two pennies, yeah. <laughs> eight seconds, eight seconds. <laughs> And that includes six seconds for getting his money out. Yeah. Um, but, but so you know, the, the, but that Durst Turbo will make a very fine, fine Pilsner. Um, I, there's nothing wrong with that. Uh, the undermodified, you know, you have, uh, you know, you'll end up probably even the undermodified is not that undermodified. That's maybe It'll a, still convert. Yeah, lesser modified. You can still go single infusion if you want it with that. Really? Uh, a lot of people will do, you know, protein rest and all that. I know, um, you know, uh, Charlie Papazian, he's very big on doing a protein rest on every beer he yeah. does. And, uh, yeah, there's something to be said for that. You know, you do break down the longer chain proteins into, you know, a shorter length. If you want to do that, you go around, um, you know, in the 122 to 130 range, uh, 40 to 45 degrees C. I'm just guessing. Yeah. yeah. Sounds about right. <laughs> and, uh, um, you know, you dough in uh, around that temperature, hold it there about 10 minutes, 15 minutes, and then, you know, uh, ramp up uh, as quickly as you can up into your uh, sacrification uh, temperature. On this beer, we're going uh, 154. Um, you could probably do a 30-minute mash with this beer. Yeah, you know you know what? Uh, just You know what? I really... You know, I'm I'm very uh, keen on reducing the amount of time it takes me to brew, and I've got it down pretty tight. Yeah. And uh, you know, I've done like 15 minute mashes, and they work just fine. Yeah, they do. Yeah. But efficiency tends to suffer a little bit. And on the beers where you really want uh, a very fermentable beer, you really need to, I think, ideally lengthen out that mash time. So, and I've been thinking about this more and more, and so. Um, you know, if you're doing a beer where you're at a mash temp of, you know, 147, 148, 149, around in there, you want to um, hold that mash, like, for 90 minutes. 
and yeah, you, you, but you know, it's it, it becomes so much more formidable. It, your extract efficiency goes up. Right. Um, a lot of little things. Of course, it depends on pH and a lot of other things. But I've, I, I think you know that's a pretty solid recommendation for most people if you're doing those for this style of beer. Uh, would you recommend that? Yeah, I wouldn't on this one. Uh, just because I think you you want a you know quite a bit of uh, mouth feel in there, okay, which you're going to get from a higher mash temperature, so thirty to that. sixty minutes or something, or yeah, you'd, you'd do a sixty minute mash on this and be fine. Hmm. Now, would you mash out with this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, um, and not really critical. Yeah, I okay. think you could you go without. That's, that's that's another thing. You know, people believe you always have to mash out. Yeah. Mash out actually just helps. You know, the sugars run out, stops some of the enzymatic uh, reactions going on. Um, yeah, you know, I don't think you really need to. I think in something like this, you just run it out and run your sparge water through yeah. it. Be just fine. It's not going to be. You're not. The thing's not going to stick. You're not going to have a stuck sparge. Mm. It's not going to. Um, you know, cause any real problems. You can heat the word up in the kettle and stop your enzymes right there, denature the enzymes mm. in there. So that easy to brew but hard to ferment to do really well. Yeah, and even even not that hard. I think the the trick is um you know um going with the uh softer water. Okay. I think that's really the only thing. You know, that's the difference between this and uh you know a uh, German Pilsner. It's really German Pilsner needs to be a lot more dry, so mm-hmm. you go with a lower mash temp. And uh, Those are fairly fairly bitter. And you know, but yeah. the bitterness is generally lower than this. But you know, this seem it's so dry yeah. that the bitterness really comes through. And there, you're going with a higher mineral water, so it's a sharper bitterness. Right. So you know, it's a it's pretty much the same grain bill, but you know, that's that's really the difference. It says it's, a lot about mash temps. Yeah, yeah. And, and what it does with the, the malt and uh, and the yeast that's used as well. Right. All those things have a, a, a big impact on the final beer. And, you know, it's it's night and day. You go, yeah, those are two different beers. It's like, well, it's the same basic recipe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you could you could use the same hops even. Um, you know, it would be pretty, pretty cool. I had some off-topic questions that came through, but I don't know if I'm going to ask them to you. Um, I have a question about my brewing roots? Yeah. <laughs> I can tell you about, about that. About their roots in Jay-Z's brewing. You may have covered it, so don't answer if you have, because uh-huh. I missed the very beginning of the show. you're not to be quite paying honest. attention to the I show. I pay attention to most everything but the beginning. <laughs> I want the middle and the end. I want to know the main differences between a Bohemian Pils and a German Pils. Did you guys cover that? Just like two seconds yeah, ago. Yeah, two seconds ago. You did? So, yeah. the, the German so it wasn't Pils. even at the beginning of the show? <laughs> it was no, right before was you like, asked this question. Oh, damn it. That's, I, you know, the German pills is much drier. Okay. Yeah. Um, and Don't a sharper bitterness. Yeah. You already I do that all the time, though. Just forget it. Don't feel bad, brother. How about a great way to get rid of, uh. Um, Herpes? That I know. I'm, I'm fully versed Perhaps. in that. Uh, acetaldehyde. Somebody had asked. Ooh. Yeah, you know the, the the thing on that is um, it is a uh, an intermediate product on the way to producing alcohol or ethanol. So oh, it's always produced. You know, no matter what you do, it's there. And one of the things is, um, especially later later on, usually what happens is you know it's produced and then it's converted to alcohol. It's produced, converted to alcohol. It's produced, converted to alcohol. Okay. You just want to at the end. Make sure any remaining gets converted to alcohol, and you get that through a good, clean, healthy, healthy pitch of yeast that uh, you know will go all the way to the end and not uh, you know peter out midway through. 
And, um, you know, that's probably key. I, you know, stopped uh, racking to a secondary fermenter vessel because um, it adds oxygen. It, uh, you know, you're removing, you know, a considerable portion of the yeast uh, on the bottom. Uh, you know, I prefer to just leave it in there and let everything finish out. One of the worst things you can do is uh, the yeast, it looks like it's done, and then you chill it down. And there was actually yeast in there active, you know, doing that final cleanup of all those green apple flavors. And you've stopped it by chilling it down. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, best thing is to just leave it, you know, at fermentation temperature till it's done and then give it a couple more days. You know, till you think it's done, give it a couple more days after that and you'll, you'll come out with a much nicer, cleaner beer. That'll do it. Summer up. All right, so uh, for uh, Bohemian Pilsner, <laughs> my papers out here. Uh, Ten fifty six starting gravity. This is for six gallon batch. You are uh, going to use uh, nine pounds of a Pilsner liquid malt extract, or four point oh eight kilograms. If you're an all grain brewer, you're going to use uh, twelve pounds, or five point four four kilograms of Continental Pilsner malt. Uh, the extract version used about a pound of uh, carapils or 0.45 kilograms. In the uh, all-grain version, you can reduce that down to about three-quarters of a pound or 340 grams. Mash at 154 degrees Fahrenheit. Boil for 90 minutes to ensure you're getting rid of all the DMS precursors. Check size four times. Um, if you're using 3.5% uh, Alpha acid, you're doing a 60-minute, a 30-minute, a 10-minute, and a 0-minute addition. 1.65 ounces or 47 grams. 2 ounces or 57 grams. 1 ounce or 28 grams for the last two additions. Uh, ferment that bad boy with uh, White Labs WLP 800 Pilsner Lager or White Yeast 2001 Urquell. You can use a dry lager yeast, but it's just not going to be the same beer. Ferment around uh, 50 degrees Fahrenheit, 10 degrees C. Uh, lager that bad boy afterwards, and uh, you will have a great beer. Enjoy. Make a lot of it, because five gallons ain't enough. Yeah. <laughs> five gallons ain't enough of any beer. No. All right. Good show, Joe. You too, buddy. All right. Bruce Strong. Hi, Bruce Strong. You guys got coming next. Another show. Don't know what. Specialty beer. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, God. That's exciting. <laughs> that That's so open. I like specialty uh, beer. You're special. <laughs> we should not do that on a Sunday night. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's not going to work. That uh, one is wide open. That is wide open, yeah. Okay. Yeah, we can do that. No problem. No that's problem. what's we coming up that. next. We'll, we'll bring it strong. <laughs> a week. We'll have, we'll have a good show. Yeah. They're all good. Yeah. All right. Take care. Bye. The Jameel Show has been a production of The Brewing Network. Please send questions for Jameel to jameel at thebrewingnetwork.com. The Jameel Show airs live every other Monday at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern, right here on The Brewing Network.